Good to see everybody here this morning. This is the first day in a long time I haven't had to do announcements. Thank you, Jimmy. We'll, we'll, we'll rotate from this point forward. He did a great job. Yay, Jimmy. The most exciting part of our service. I know you guys look forward to that every time. How many of you saw Pastor Mark's post about announcements on, on uh, Facebook this week? Yeah, he was being snarky. Yeah, he was being snarky. It said, what was it the church said exactly? Do you remember? It's in yeah, it's, it's in the bulletin like it's been for the past three weeks when you're asking. I hadn't heard about that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, most of our announcements are on our website. We do them every week, but we do need you to sign up. I know we have a culture where we don't sign up early here. I'm as guilty as anybody else. But we do need to get some sign-ups for the table next week. We're providing the barbecue and such. We have some guys who are going to take care of that. But we do need you to bring some sides, some casseroles, dishes, that sort of thing, and some desserts. So just look on the website and sign up for that. Sign up for Random in the Inn to help those uh, ladies and children out down there. That's a practical way to be displaying the gospel, something that you can do physically to help some folks in need. So those are really important. And we're really excited about our men's conference coming up with uh, with the guys over at Hamilton Life. Those are some friends of mine and Mark's, and they invited us to uh, – kind of co-do this men's conference with them, a couple of sessions at their place on Friday night and a couple of sessions here Saturday morning. So looking forward to that. So we've got a lot of good things going on. But I'm going to start out this morning asking you guys some questions. How many remember all the way back to the year 2019? Can anybody remember that far back? What, what, was, what was significant about that year? It was awesome. What, how was it awesome, Ken? We didn't have COVID. Did, did we think it was more normal in 2019? Would you guys identify 2019 as the last normal year you can remember in your life pretty much? Was that? Yeah, I think most of us will agree that that was pretty normal. However, let's think back to 2019 and what all was going on. Did you have lots of time to rest and just hang out and do things like that? Was everything in your life just wonderful? No. No. We get a few disagreements here, depending on your age bracket. It may have been wonderful for you. You may have not gotten to the age where you have tons of responsibilities and have lots of things going on in your life. But most of us, if we identified in 2019, if we ask you, how are you doing in 2019, what would your answers have been? Working. What else? Busy? Tired? So, so let's let's go back to the last great normal year we remember, and we were busy, working, tired, but we were worshiping. That's right, and that's going to be a key part of our, our discussion this morning is how worship plays into all this. But here we had this last normal year. Would you say you had a lot in reserve, or were you running pretty much on the ragged edge? Fumes, running on fumes, running on empty. You know, that's where most of us were. Because that's just the society and the fast-paced terms we live in, especially here in this country, is we were busy. We were doing things. Everything was going on. And then all of a sudden, life takes a drastic, drastic change with COVID. You know, we were first, how many days to flatten the curve? Two weeks, 14 days. We are still there. <laughs> You know, we still haven't completely flattened that curve and probably never will at this point. You know, this we don't know what the future holds there. But that was a, you know, do you remember that? I mean, that's a long time ago now, it seems like. You know, we're going to do these things, we're going to knock this out, and it didn't happen. And there was disappointment there. But some of the things that have been used to describe that year are chaos, control, decision fatigue, sickness, death, 
uncertainty. We've not had a good past couple of years, have we? I mean, that's on top of where we were already busy, tired, working in 2019. We're going to people trying to control everything we do. Some of it good, some of it maybe not so good. You're having to make decisions. Can you remember before in 2019, if you wanted to go to the grocery store, you wanted to go to vacation, you wanted to, did you have to make a decision about whether you needed to wear a mask or whether it was safe or not? No, you just went and did your thing, right? We didn't, that was never a thought. That's one of the things that has come out, and this was even a study early in the pandemic, was something called decision fatigue. We're having to make more and more decisions about everything we do. Do I go to the doctor? Do I get a COVID test? What if my COVID test is this? What if it's that? And that leads into why I am speaking to you today is Pastor Mark is not here. Now, last week, Jimmy described what was going to be a coup attempt. I don't know if you remember that. Jimmy described the coup, and Mark's not here today. You can put two and two together. It was not a coup. Mark caught COVID on vacation. So Mark is is, is uh, still at the end of his quarantine period. I don't think anybody got very sick from it. Last I heard, it was him, Deidre, and Jake. Uh, Jonathan and Malia had escaped it so far, and they were quarantined in a beach house, so don't you know, don't worry too much. If you're going to be quarantined, there's worse places to be quarantined than by your pool at a beach house. But they had a big family vacation going, so they had to separate out into their corners in the house. They couldn't all go out to eat together. So we're still experiencing what we began in 2020. It's still here. We're still doing this. There's still decision fatigue. Mark's like, well, what do I do? Can you preach Sunday? What can we talk about? You know, well, can I well, no, I'll have to wear a mask if I do that. Maybe I should just stay here. And we're going through all these decisions and things once again. And it just gets tiring. And what we have done now is we've done this again for another year, but it's working out. You're here. We're here this morning. Those of us here, I hope we're all healthy this morning. We still have sickness in our families and things, but we're getting through it. But how many of you think you have plenty in reserve right now to work off of? No, man, there is nothing left. It was bad before. It's it's indescribably bad now. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But God always works things out in a, in a miraculous way to me. And you will notice today this, this sermon is not necessarily straight into the series about Abram and the, the legacy of the, of the fathers of the faith. However, God worked this out in a really cool way this week. Because we were talking about that. I had no idea Mark was going to be sick. I was reading some stuff and, and thinking about some things for sermons in this series and different things. And Mark calls me up and said, dude, I got COVID. Can you teach? I said, well, sure. He said, he said, well, I've got the, the next message prepared. He said, would you like to jump in something in the middle? And I said, well, hey, I've been reading this book by John Eldridge called Resilient. And Mark's like, I've been reading that too. Anybody else reading that book? It's fantastic because brand new. I had just seen... Now, this is, this is where sometimes we can complain about advertising and social media and stuff. I saw a thing come out that said, John Eldridge has a new book. Read the first chapters here for free. So I click on it and start reading it. Mark is also reading this book. Guess what? Mark is going to use part of what we are reading in that book next week to describe Abram's walk of faith and how he stepped out and what he did to begin serving God. And I'm going to give the preview for that this week from what I've read. Now, you talk about God working that out. I had been reading this, and it was speaking to me, and I thought this would be a great sermon at Journey sometime. I would love to bring this to our people for some encouragement. So God just decides, Mark, just step aside this Sunday. Here it is. I mean, 
how else can how else can you describe that except God has worked out something really awesome for us today? I mean, I was encouraged, but I hate that Mark's sick. Don't get me wrong, but I'm excited to be able to do something here. I think was was from the Lord. We often joke that, you know, in, in some pastors in their churches, they say they have a word from the Lord. Usually I tell Mark, when I say I have a word, that means, Scott, God's telling you to shut your mouth. Do not say that. Do not say that. That's the kind of word I usually get. But it's usually something like this, something that's out of the ordinary, something that has just happened, and God has orchestrated this to work great in our series and the things we're doing. So that's what we're talking about today. And and I just wanted to kind of preface this by saying where we've been and kind of, you know, what we're still going through. One of the things that we currently see all around the world is global denial. Okay? What are we trying to do? We're trying desperately to get back to normal, right? So we're just going to pretend everything's okay. How many COVID stories did you hear on the news this week? None? Maybe one? How many did you hear before that? It was every day, wasn't it? Uh, I happened to actually hear one this morning. Our local COVID active cases was 137. At one time, that was news. It's not newsworthy anymore. The news cycle has changed. We've just we've gone past that and are trying to move to what's called the new normal as it is. So we're in a bit of denial about what's actually happened to us. And what happens is we've tapped into our reserves to survive traumatic events. And when the trauma subsides, we begin to look for good things. How many of you guys would describe the years of 2020 and 2021 as traumatic? I would. You know, there was sickness, there was death, there was political turmoil. There were all kinds of things that happened. And the, the nearest thing that most psychologists can relate this to is what people went through in World War II. Um, good to see Nikki here today. Nikki can tell you also, it's still going on in Ukraine. There's still Those people over there are suffering. They went through COVID and all the things we have. Not only that, now they're living in a war-torn country. And so we're facing all this in so there's so many things that are tapping into those reserves, and we have all been through trauma. Would you guys agree with that? I said the closest thing that, that most of our generation, and we didn't experience this, was World War II, was what people went through then, and maybe somewhat in Vietnam. But on the global scale, a world war is the closest thing that, that anybody here on Earth has experienced to what we've been going through. So now we've gone through this trauma, but it's kind of subsided. It helps us not in the news cycle. We do see better treatment for COVID. We have a variant that is less deadly, thank God, that for that. It still makes people sick, but very few people are getting very ill from it. It's not like it was. So we have all those things to be thankful for. So we're trying desperately to get back to the good things. We long for things to be good again. The question is, are we looking for the right good things? So what were some of the first things coming out of this trauma, coming out of the years of COVID here, what were some of the first things that people were anxious to do? Shout some out. What's, what's some ideas? Be with their families. That's a good one. You've been separated from your family, especially if you had elderly parents and things like that. You were trying to keep them healthy. You didn't want to go and make them sick. So you were distant. I know a friend of mine saw his mother very few times. She was in an assisted living place. You couldn't visit because of COVID. So he only got to see her once or twice more before she passed away of other causes. So two years, he wasn't able to visit his mom. So we have that kind of thing. So we wanted to get back together as family. What's some more things we want to do? Concerts. 
Concerts. Have some fun. Go to a concert. Listen to some live music. Karen said, come come together and worship at church. Get together back here. We went through a time, you know, you, you talk about trauma. How many would have ever thought that on Easter Sunday we would cancel services? Biggest day of our year for some extent. To some extent, one of the days that you're more likely to have guests. You have people who are more open to the gospel during that season. And we had to shut our doors because of COVID during that time. So, you know, who would have thought that it was traumatic? But now people are wanting to start to get back together. Uh, what else did people do? Vacation. It's called revenge travel. Have you? Is that? That is what it's called is revenge travel. I am going to get back at you, COVID, for what you did to my family. I am going to travel when and wherever I want to, and we're going to go and max out the credit cards, whatever it takes, and we are going to have the most fun family vacation. Sounds like Chevy Chase, doesn't it? The most fun family vacation you have ever had. We'll go to Wally World. We'll do whatever it takes. We're going to go out and have some fun. It's one of the good times, one of the good things we've missed, isn't it? Uh, Karen said that some people now are looking to the future again. They're looking at horoscopes and fortune telling and things. What's coming up in my future? What can I see? What's coming for me? Because they're still not quite sure where they're at. New relationships. How many people got divorced during this period? Looking for a new spouse now. New hairstyles. People think, hey, I need to change my look. New jobs. Look at the job market where we're at. Look at how that has changed in two years' time. There are people out there swapping jobs like crazy. They're moving around. And then some positions we can't even fill. How many of you have seen somewhere that you've gone recently that says they have a labor shortage and it's affecting their service? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You can't go places and be waiting on like you used to because of financial and labor reasons. But I say all this to say the world is different and we are different today. And it's not going to go back just like it was. Look at how we have changed. I, I saw this report this week, and I thought this was, was very good. It's about unruly airline passengers. We've got a slide on that, maybe. Mouse problems. See, it never ends, does it? It's a mouse problem this time. Okay. These are when pa passengers have been unruly on an airplane. Here's the number of incidents that they investigated. 2019 was 146. You think about all the flights there are, that's not that big a deal, I guess. I think that's global. Uh, 2020 was 183. Well, think about it. In 2020, we didn't really fly very much, did we? Most of the flights were canceled and things. 2021, 1,099, almost 10 times the rate. And in 2022, there's 551 incidents so far. You guys have seen this on the news. People just freaking out about whatever. You know, it, it may be a crying baby. It may be about wearing your mask on the plane. There's so many different things. Do you think that we've changed as a people? I think we have. How many think you have more or less patience with those around you today than you did in 2019? Less. less way less, isn't it? You should ride with my wife sometime in the automobile. I can tell you, Karen will admit that uh, sometimes other drivers get on our Anybody have that problem? Drivers get on your nerves? Leslie, I don't see how she rides her scooter because there's always somebody out to get you on your scooter. It's just like they hone in on you. But, oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, the ladies, Nikki had a birthday celebration. Some of the ladies went to Ikea and other places in Atlanta. I can only imagine what was said in that car during some of the traffic they went through. <laughs> 
But seriously, do you think we treat each other worse than we did? Yeah, absolutely. One of the contributing factors to that also, I think, is social media. We're shorter with each other online. We see something. You know, and guys, let me just give you this little little sidetrack here about social media. Social media is designed for you to engage with it, and the more negative things it can push at you, the more likely you are to engage. And that's the way social media algorithms are written. It's to get something that gets you enraged, Get your attention, and you will click and go through. That's how money's made on those things is when you click through. Clickbait's what I call it. But all this stuff, that's the way it was designed. You know, Facebook comes to the roots. Do you know where the roots of it came from? It was a way to rate girls on campus. So you can tell how healthy the whole idea of Facebook was. You could go and rate these girls and tell you where they were good or bad. Well, this just expanded from that. Now we rate everything whether it's good or bad and fight over whether we agree with it or not. Is that not exactly how that has, has matured as an application? Now we can go on and we can fight about everything we see. We can fight about church, politics, you know, COVID, mask, whatever. We can fight about all of that online. And as, as several people have noted, and you won't get punched in the mouth for it. If you said those things in person, you know, you probably wouldn't really say that, would you? Would you be brave enough to go up and say the things that you, if you're one of those people that really engages in social media? It's doubtful. And so many things get misconstrued there. Emotions can't be seen. Intent can't be seen. You can't put a detailed thing out there. Sometimes it's just asking for trouble. So just a little side note on that. But I like this. And this is, this is from a quote from John Elders in the book, uh, Resilient. And this is so true. This is one of the first things that really hit me in studying and thinking about this was this, this quote. He says, we only want some, we only sort of want God. What we really want is for life to be good again. If God seems to be helping, awesome. We believe. If he doesn't, well, we'll get back to him later after we chase whatever we think will fill our famished craving. Boy, that's right on target for our society, is it not? Revenge travel, changes, jobs, hairstyles. We're willing to do anything to fill that craving in our soul, aren't we? And if we think we can attribute it to God, oh, yeah, God gave me a new job. God gave me a new spouse. God gave me this. God gave me that. Yeah, it's awesome. But then when we don't get her, it doesn't work out. It's like, eh, forget about God. He's not interested in this, evidently. Well, what it is, is the way we're going. There's nothing wrong about wanting good things in your life. It's just what are you focusing on that is good, that is going to get us. And today I want to start our, our, our journey through Scripture here, talking about the children of Israel. Remember them? In captivity in Egypt? Do you think they were living a good life in Egypt? No. But here's what happened to them. The children of Israel leave the trauma of captivity in Egypt only to be thrust into a land described like this. A land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death where no one lives or even travels. Wow, thank you God for delivering me from the Egyptians to this land of drought, death where nobody even will travel through it so bad. Do you think that the, the children of Israel were experiencing trauma? I mean, they've been living under Egyptian rule for years. They've been, they've been oppressed. They've been expected to do things, make, 
make a brick with make the bricks without mud and straw and all these crazy things and these quotas of things they had to get done to please the Pharaoh. So they've lived under that oppression for all these years. And so God brings them out. And you remember, if you've ever seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, they're all happy leaving Egypt, aren't they? Man, they're they're getting out of there. They've got they've got the gold they've you know kind of acquired. They've got pots and pans and the animals and everything, and they're going out. You know, God destroys Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. Remember, He parts the Red Sea for the children of Israel. They walk through. The waters come and cover the soldiers that are chasing them, and they get to the other side, and that's where the problems start. As they are wandering through the wilderness to get to where God wants them to be and to learn the things God wants them to learn before they get to what is called the promised land, they already start forgetting about what happened in Egypt. They're already going through more trauma. And so guess what they're longing for? They're longing for good. You know how they're describing good? It's being under captivity in Egypt. They think that's better than where they are. And that's part of our problem is when we go back and think 2019 was a normal year. It wasn't normal. It wasn't necessarily good. We weren't doing the things for our spirit and our souls back then that we needed to do. But we long for that good. We think the past was better than what we have now. And that's where we find the children of Israel out. They're out wandering around in this desert where there's death and drought and nobody else travels through it. And they're trying to figure out what to do. And they're finally like, well, we'd be better off back in Egypt. You've brought us out here to die. We would be better off going back. Now, so this is the children of Israel's size. How much would you enjoy being their leader at that point in time? Okay, here's Moses. I call Moses the reluctant leader. If you'll remember, Moses didn't like jump up and apply for this job. God had to keep pushing him towards it. So Moses has some baggage. Moses has some problems with this anyway. And now he's leading these rebellious people around that would just as soon go back into the captivity they've been delivered from. So I can imagine, as you probably can, how how great do you think Moses' patience level was with those folks? Do you think he was do you think he was very forgiving and understanding and I know what you're going through. That's not the picture I get of Moses from Scripture. Is that that what you guys think? I think Moses was at wit's end. I think he had led them out through God leading through him, had led them out out of the situation in Egypt to only come out here and all they did was complain and say it was better back here. I need the good back here, you know. And so what did Moses do? You know, God led them through. Remember Moses, and God asked him to strike the rock, and his water comes forth so they can, you know, a miraculous way to give the children of Israel water in this place that's of death and drought. Moses just simply goes up, hits the rock, water comes forth. Great. So, again, they're complaining, we're going to die out here. There's not enough water. It's hot. I mean, you know, it's like taking your kids on vacation sometimes. You know, it's hot. I don't want to do this. I want to go home. So that's where he was at with the children of Israel. Well, God tells him, okay, Moses, go up this time. There's going to be a rock. Go up and speak to it, and I'll bring water forth. Now, it's pretty straightforward. God said, just go talk to the rock. Moses didn't do that. Moses was aggravated with those rebellious children of Israel. And so what does he go and do? He says, shall we bring forth water for you rebels? That doesn't really sound like he's in the right frame of mind to start with, does it? You, know, you bunch of rebellious people, you won't. Shall we bring, notice, we bring forth water? Who's bringing forth the water to start with? It's God. So Moses has already interjected himself into the situation. 
So instead of going over and speaking to the rock, what does he do? He whacks it, not once, but twice for effect. Bam, bam. You know, that's kind of the way we try and handle some of our problems in life. We try and take the sledgehammer to them. We'll just whack them into submission. And that doesn't work either. But this just goes to show when you're in trauma, what can happen to you. Moses was going through trauma. Think about all the things in this guy's life he's gone through. Man, he went from being raised in a palace as one of the Pharaoh's own children to going and killing an Egyptian, fleeing to the desert, God getting after him to come back. He's leading these people out of Egypt, and now he's stuck here with them, whining and griping about everything he does. Do you think that's a pretty traumatic path of leadership? I don't want that path. I don't know about anybody else. But it's all related to the trauma that this group is going through. And there's a beautiful picture of this because the picture of this is how we're delivered from sin. Y'all ever thought about that? That's the story behind the story here of the exodus from Egypt into the promised land. It's a journey out of our sinward nature into the promised land, which is forgiveness in Christ. And that's the traveling path that we're on. That's the journey, as in Journey Church. That's the journey we're all on. It's from that 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 life we had to the life that God wants us to lead. And that's what that journey is. And that's what this is a picture of. So just as they did not have an easy time of it and got discouraged, do you think that our walk sometimes is hard and we get discouraged? I believe that's just part of it. I think this is a great example. You know, sometimes I feel that my spiritual walk is filled with drought. You ever feel dry spiritually? Like you just don't have what it takes. And I think that's the reason he did that. You know, how many of you today, do you feel that something's still off in your life? How many people would be honest and feel like, compared to where we were before the pandemic, do you feel like something's off? How many people feel that way? I do. I've, I've got this feeling that there's just something I couldn't put my, my fingers on. You know, things are different. What, why are things different? I know some things have changed, but something's not quite. It's kind of like uh, uh, Jeremy was talking about their son waking up during the night, middle of the night and sleepwalking and not kind of remembering it and couldn't quite wake up when he got to their room. Uh, you ever feel like that? You're just kind of in a little bit of a fog. And when you try and process these things, you know, Karen's parents, be praying for them. They have, they've had a bout of COVID this week. So we're having to try and take care of them. It's hard to even think through it sometimes. Okay, what do we do? What, what medicine do they need? What food should we take them? Should they go to the ER? Should they go to the minute clinic? Should they do this? Should they do that? And it's like, God, I can't even focus on this right now. You're asking me to do so many things at one time. I can't focus. I can't get out of this fog of just being decisive about things. I find it difficult to be decisive. And that's one of the things that Mark and I have been talking about as a church. We're tired, okay? We'll admit it. We've gone through COVID. We've gone through political turmoil. And it's like, God, I think he mentioned this um, Sunday before life. God, could you just give us a break? Just, just a little break. No political decisions. No wars, no famine, no disease. Just give us a little bit of normal. We crave that too because it's hard. It's hard to lead through these times. And we get tired as well. And, you know, it's just trying to figure out where that, that off is. But here's the truth. Many of us were living on near-empty reserves pre-pandemic. The pandemic has served to completely exhaust what little reserves we had left to deal with the trauma we're facing. I'm there. I think if you'll look at your lives, most of you are there too, whether you'll admit it right now or not. If you go back and really look at what's going on, you'll realize I don't have the capacity to do some things I did before. You know, if one more event happened, what if they said uh, the monkey pox are coming 
to Chattanooga this week, and we're going to have to quarantine because of monkeypox. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? I am so tired of this. What, I don't know what to do. You know, God, can we just get some relief from this? And that's because we've, we've not replenished those reserves. And this is where we get to some, we're getting close to the best part of this message for me and what really struck me is, you know, we have been looking for that good and life in all the wrong places. How many remember the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places? Some of you smile, you remember that? We're looking for life in all the wrong places. We're thinking that that nourishment that we need comes from a new job, maybe a new relationship, a vacation, getting our kids in more sports, getting back to school, getting back to assembling on Sunday. There is more to life than all of those things that we consider good and normal. And that's where we're smack dab in the middle of right now is figuring out how to deal with the trauma we've experienced and how to replenish our reserves and get there. Well, this is where we're going to get really where the rubber meets the road in all of this is where, you know, we inhabit both natural and spiritual worlds. Both are necessary for our survival. We have a spiritual realm we live in. We have a, obviously a physical realm we live in. These vessels that God has given us here on earth, they, they decay, don't they? We get sick. We experience disease. We hurt. We do all these things. So we live that's the, the physical world within. But there's a spiritual part inside of us that most of us don't tap into like we should. And we live in one of three places, is the way John Eldridge described this. And I think this wasn't original to him, but I, whoever it is, this is, this is so true. We live in one of three places, the shallows, the mid, or the deep. Okay? The shallows. That's where the chaos of life goes on and we spend the majority of our time trying to deal with. We're trying to deal with politics and social media and relationships and all these things, sickness and all those things that are bombarding us, all the bad news that we get bombarded with all the time. Do you have any sources? And I would encourage you to find some. Find some sources of inspiration for your life, whether it's listening to podcasts or music, you know, something, because if you just go on social media and the news you will be faced with negativity 24-7 because that's what gets reaction is that negativity. That's what makes people respond. And we just get inundated with that, and that causes chaos and causes us to live in the shallows. We get depressed, we worry, we do all those things. That's the shallows, and that's where most of us spend a lot of our time combating life. The mid. The mid are those bigger decisions, those things that you have to think of. How do I raise a child in this environment? What school should my child go to? What should my career be in? Should I be looking at, at things for saving for my future? I have aging parents. How am I going to care for those? Those are the mid things. Those are things that are in this world, but they're, you know, they're important. They're the more important decisions and more important pieces we have to deal with. But then there's the deep. The deep is where our spiritual being lives. You know, you realize we're spiritual beings inside and that's where that spiritual part lives us is, is in the deep. Guess where our reserves come from? That deep part. It's that spiritual thing. There's no room for reserves out in chaos and making decisions and shallowness and all that. But in the deep part of our souls, there is something there for us to draw on. And we ignore it most of the time. We live so much in the physical world and the chaos of the shallows that we don't look internally at who's li- 
If I said I was going to talk to Jesus today, I'm talking, I'm praying, and, and Jesus and I are having a conversation. Where do you think he's at? Right? Do you realize he's in here? We don't give him, we remember the Holy Spirit. Jesus says he'll come into our hearts. Is that not what he says? Our hearts, our innermost being, I think, I think in the scriptures, I think the Hebrew is more described as the bowels, your internals. We use the word heart. Jesus is here. He's not distant. He's here. The Holy Spirit is here with us to help guide us. But we don't look internally. We look at all these external things that we think are going to fix what's wrong. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, let's look at this passage of Scripture. This, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Kind of where we're getting with the founding fathers of the faith there, the the, the family in heaven and earth and how they're named, that kind of ties in with what we're studying right now. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length in height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the Apostle Paul. This is something that the Apostle Paul found wondrous in this. He's just, if you look at the first part of Ephesians, the first part of Ephesians is talking about the revelation that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews, that the Messiah came for the Gentiles as well. And Paul has just finished describing this and this this change that he's he's seen that here's Paul who was the the most Jewish Jew you could ever imagine. He was he was like the best way in our terminology would be a religious lawyer. He knew the religious law. He observed all the religious law. He knew who the Jews were, and God's revealed to him it's not just you guys. I've expanded this to the entire world. The Gentiles, though I was outside the Jewish race, can do that. So Paul has experienced all of this, and now he's talking about the miracle of Christ living in us, that so he can dwell in our inner being, and he can dwell in our hearts through faith. That's what we need to be looking for today. You know, this is the life that we're seeking, guys, and we're not realizing it. We're looking for all these changes. We're looking for this good. And there's nothing wrong with experiencing those good things. God doesn't want you to give up your vacation. God doesn't want you to give up having fun or going to a concert or seeing your relatives. Those are all good things. God's not against that. But what it is, is it's got to be framed in seeking God through those things. When we're experiencing those things, how are we experiencing God through those natural things out in the world? How is God molding and making our life? You know, we need to be certain that our quest for life involves God. How many of you pray about these decisions? Do you pray about, where should I go on vacation? God, what will refresh me? What would be good for me? What, God, what do you think would be good for me? God, what sports do you think my kids should play? What will be good for our family? That it'll be a good family bonding thing. It won't wear us all out, but it'll be good for the family. What sports should our kids play? God, I'm feeling unsatisfied in my job, God. Do you, are you telling me to move or are you trying to teach me something, God? What are your thoughts there? You know, God, 
I would like to be in this relationship. Not if you're married, you're in the relationship. Let's get that straight. God doesn't send you someone else's spouse. Can I hear an amen for that one? God's not going to send you someone else's spouse. But if you're unmarried and you're looking to be in a relationship, pray and say, God, who is that person? I'm, I, I feel lonely. I feel you have someone for me, God. Who is that person? Who, who would you like for me to experience the Christian life with? Who is that person? Those are the things as we're seeking this good that we're so longing for. You know, God, how can you be a part of this? God, you are the center. You are my innermost being. You are the deep in my life. How are you going to help me navigate life? You know, that's one of the things that I love about our new youth pastor, Jimmy, and his vocation. Jimmy gets to talk to lots of people. Jimmy, how many of those people are looking for guidance in their lives? Several. Lots of people are looking for guidance. They're looking for a way to go. They're looking for what something that's missing. They probably don't even know what that is. But, you know, we've talked about our reserves and being replenished. The deep part of our lives can only be replenished by God, and he is a never-ending resource. Think about that, guys. The only way we're ever going to get back to this normal feeling is through God working our inner being in the depths of us, through Jesus telling us what's going on, Jesus helping us to, to live the life he would have us lead, and all of that is replenishable, and we've not even tapped into it yet. That's why we're running on reserves. We feel tired. We feel busy. We've done all we were doing that exact thing in 2019. It has so much of this, the pandemic introduced trauma, we weren't prepared to deal with replenishing our souls before that. We were so busy with what was going on around us, we weren't looking at God and what he could do for us. You know, I likened it to this. As a, as I'm a mechanically minded guy, and I like automobiles and things like that and seeing how things work. It's like troubleshooting a misfiring engine, Okay. The simplest thing in troubleshooting a misfiring an engine is I've got bad gas in it. I can change the gas out. I can put some fresh gas in. I'll even buy that extra good premium gas and put it in and see if it clears up this problem. But it doesn't clear it up. Well, let me, let me put some more gas in it. Let me just keep, it's just got to be in the gas. Because when all along the misfire is we've got a bad spark plug. And we're not looking at the ignition. We're not what looking at what ignites life into that engine. We're looking at all the things around that we can do easily. And sometimes I feel that's what we do in our spiritual life. We look at the stuff around us that's easy. We look for the easy answer. We look for those things that can be met through these good things. Instead of looking at Jesus to ignite our life, to be a spark within us, to, to encourage us to go forth, we're just looking at those things. You know, life that comes from God is described as a river. That's something I think we can all relate to. How many have seen we have a river in Chattanooga? Has anybody not seen that we have a river? Yeah, you can go over here. You can even go over here and go to the Suck Creek River over here. You can see water just, just down the street over here a few blocks. You can go and see this beautiful flowing stream. And that's how life in God is, is, is described. It's, this, it's a river that flows. It says, listen to this in Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That river 
is running through. Do you all realize why this is such special language to the people of Scripture? Most of those people don't live on the coast. They live in the desert, y'all. They, water is a precious resource for them. It's something, that's the reason the, the children of Israel were so freaked out about not having water to drink. They knew the drought and the things that, that death could be ca- causing. So God gave them this, this beautiful picture of rivers and what flows and what comes out of it. And that's where we can give, get that life-giving replenishment in our souls. We can be resilient. We can, we can take what is coming at us in this world if we will rely on God to direct us instead of always trying to figure out what's the next good thing that's going to make me feel better about it or what's the direction I need to take. If we will rely on God, we need that revival inside of us to tell us where Jesus is speaking to us and saying, go forth and do this and you'll be blessed. Those are the things that we need to be looking for. That's where that replenishment comes from. And uh, this morning, I think, is uh, we're going to take communion here in just a moment, have an, another couple of songs in communion. As we prepare to do communion, I want you to think about these things that I've told you this morning. And this is a, one of the things that replenishment comes from is quiet time with God. And that's something very difficult to get these days. We're busy. We're faced with a bombardment of information. That's one of the things I love about Jimmy. The first thing that he analyzed about youth that really struck me was how much our youth is is just bombarded with information. And not all of it's good. Some of it's very bad for them. But they're just bombarded more than any other generation that has ever faced this. They're bombarded with information. We as adults are bombarded all the time with imagery and things that aren't healthy for us. And we have difficulty in making that quiet time. Because what happens, our mind wanders, or we figure out something else we need to be doing, etc. And I don't mean that you can do this as just, it's a good spiritual habit, but if it's just a habit, it's not good. Y'all get where I'm coming from there? This is a very spiritual thing between you and God to talk to. You can do it while you're riding your lawnmower. You can do it while you're doing chores. You can do it while you're driving to work. But find some time where you're talking and communing with God and asking him, what would you have me do? And that's what communion is about. And we're going to talk about that a little more in in a minute. But I want you to think about something as far as the church goes, okay? We're talking about different and pursuing good. How many of you were at Journey Church in 2019? How many of you? Okay, this is going to work perfectly, okay? In the average church in America, 40 to 60% of the people that were in your church in 2019 are gone. 40 to 60% are gone. They're no longer here. Some of them went to other churches. Some of them stopped going to church altogether. We've had an influx of some some wonderful new families, and we're glad you're here. We're looking forward to plugging people in. We even have a new guy on slides. Thomas is helping us with slides already. One of the new members of our church, we're getting to know him and his story. He's got a great story. You should ask him about his testimony. But it's different, isn't it? There's faces that you miss. There's people that were here that aren't here anymore. And that's all part of this. And we, we, want, to, we want it to go back. We want all those people to come back. I would love to see the faces that were here. But I realize things have changed. And I also realize from talking to my friends that are pastors, every pastor in the United States is facing this. Talked to a friend just at the car show uh, over the 4th of July weekend that has a local church. Probably just a hair larger than us. I said, hey, what's your church look like? 
Well, we're doing pretty good. And I said, well, we're doing pretty good as well. I said, but what, what does it look like? Is it the same? He said, oh, no. No, no, we've, we've, we've swapped over a bunch of people. We, we don't know where they went. We don't know what happened. But we have a different congregation than we had in 2019. And that's, as a church, guys, that's what we are facing here. I know things sometimes are a little bit awkward here. You don't see some of the people you used to see. Guys, that's just part of what has happened through this trauma. Some people sought a new church to help them through the trauma. God may have led them to a new church to help them with the trauma. God doesn't assign us to a church for life, I don't think. It's very rare. God moves us as we are on this journey. He sometimes moves us. He's moving people into our congregation. He's moved some people out of our congregation. But the thing is, we've got to learn to accept changes as they come and embrace them. How many people really like change and think it's the greatest thing that happens in their lives? Well, no hands on that one. I didn't think there would be. Change is difficult sometimes. And that's what we're experiencing. That's what our staff is experiencing. That's what you as members of, a, of this church are experiencing. We're going through a period of change right now. And you'll see we're working hard to do some things that brings us together as a spiritual family. Uh, we have the table next week. That's designed, honestly, as a way for us to get to know each other, to get to do things. I really encourage you, if you are interested at all in small groups, this Wednesday, come and watch The Chosen with us. This is not just for the youth. This is for everybody that's here, everybody that's listening online, everybody that's associated with this church. Come watch this with us. We'll hang out. We'll watch TV together, and we'll go talk about it. That's what small group amounts to. We're going to go talk. What's God teaching us? What's God showing us through this? This is a TV show. What can he teach me through this? And what does he teach Maybe it teaches me something that I can share with you, and you, it teaches you something different you can share with me. That's what small groups are for, so we can get to know each other on this spiritual journey. So we're not all just out looking for good, fun things all the time, but we're looking at the good, the inner being, and that's how we, it's one of the ways we replenish from that never-ending source that God has for us, that never-ending river that flows with life. That's how we get refreshed with that, as we do things like Bible studies, men's group, the table. We get to know each other and share this journey with each other. That's how we, that's one of the ways, honestly, we endure trauma is those around us. They help us through it. They help help us. They pray for us. They, they may serve us. There's so many ways that happens. But as we're doing that this morning, as we take communion, I want you to remember what as communion is for, what God has done for us, you know, what, what is, what sacrifices Jesus made for us on the cross and remembering him. But also, to I want you to take this time to reflect internally and say, God, is there something in my inner being that you need to tell me? Is there something spiritual? Am I too shallow? Can you get in the depths of my heart this morning, God, and guide me and guide this church as a group? You guys are all part of this. We want you to be part of guiding us in this next phase because our church does not look the same, and we're trying to figure out what it looks like now and how we're going to minister to the new folks we have and, and all of that. So I want you to be praying about those things for God to use Jesus in our hearts and the Holy Spirit to guide us through this time. Um, now this morning, Jimmy is going to come up and he's going to help me with communion. We'll have two stations here. We have hand sanitizer. We'll use that before. We'll break you off some bread. If you need to use the hand sanitizer, you'll be welcome to it. And we'll dip the bread and give it to you. All the bread is gluten-free. We've gone to that just so nobody has any dietary problems with it. So so we ask you to come forth and uh, 
and participate in communion with us. You don't have to be a member here at Journey to do that. Uh, anyone that is a, a believer is welcome to come up and participate in this. And just take this as a few minutes to, to search inside. And, and before we do that, let's pray that God will guide us through this. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this 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 message that you've given this week, God, through, uh, through circumstances I feel could have only been for you, God, that we needed to hear this. We needed to hear how to replenish our our innermost being, the depths of our soul, that Jesus is there, that you are a never-ending resource for us, God, and you are there to help us through the trauma we've all experienced, God. And I just pray that we will, as we take communion, we will remember that. We'll remember that Jesus' sacrifice is what made this possible for us to, to go through and go forth, God, and pray that you will, will guide us as a congregation, as leaders in this church, God, the things that you have for us in the future that we can't possibly see, God, We ask that your hand be in all that we do, God, and that you guide us, God, and that you bless us. And we pray all these things in your precious Son's name.